Welcome to Season 2 Purdue University College of Sciences Superheroes of Science Podcast. I'm Stephen. And I'm Sarah. We will be discussing anything and everything related to science. If you have a science question, tweet it to us at Purdue SOS, and we will try and find someone to answer it for you. Welcome to Superheroes of Science. We're here today with Caroline Kostak, Spacesuit Systems Engineer. So welcome, Caroline. Thank you. All right, let's start with, um, well, you've had a, a couple of careers in your career. Is that the way you're saying it? Right. And so let's start with what you did back at the, because after you did your your degree, um, I want to say something engineering. Uh, help me. Chemical engineering. Okay. Okay. Chemical engineering, which I, you would have thought I'd remembered because Sarah's the chemistry gal. And so she, anytime anyone says chemistry, it's, yeah. <laughs> but all right, so you, you went with your bachelor's there, but somehow you ended up at NASA. Yes, sir. I actually got a job with the United Space Alliance right out of college. So at the industrial round table, I, um, Met up with USA, the United Space Alliance, uh, which no longer exists, but was a the main contractor for flight controllers uh, in at Johnson Space Center. And I had known uh, all through college that I wanted to work somewhere at NASA, and uh, had kind of run into a bunch of dead ends, and you know wasn't thinking it was going to happen, and had a different job lined up. And then all of a sudden, I thought oh, I'm just going to go talk to him one more time. And so at the industrial round table, I went and talked to USA and they hired me actually on the spot. It was unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they're like, you want to come to Houston? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, you know what a flight controller is? I said, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't care. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I came down to, to Houston to be a flight controller and uh, I, I showed up at like the perfect time. It was right at the beginning of the um, assembly of space station. And so our job was actually, um, I just wound up in the group that did uh, the integration, the operations integration of the assembly of space station. So we were the ones in the control center kind of coordinating. And uh, I like to think of it like the conductor, like, okay, now you go, now you go, you know, and, and putting together the big picture. So you went and so then you started without realizing for sure what that meant. And, uh, you I did. And it sounds like. Yeah. So as it turned out, I loved it. It was exactly the right kind of job for me. Um, and uh, so I, I did um, flight control for uh, Johnson Space Center for 12 years and then ended uh, left there when the, the uh, space shuttle program ended. Mm. I thought maybe it was a good time to go uh, take what I had learned at NASA, some really great integration skills, and uh, take that out into the rest of the world and see where, you know, where I could be useful out in the world. And so after that, um, I went and, and uh, started a couple businesses, uh, one of which was um, green building, residential green building. Um, we had had a you know a hurricane and I watched a bunch of houses being built and torn down and that was really impactful for me. So I uh, tried to go uh, change the way we build homes. So I uh, have been doing that for a couple of years and then um, some opportunities started coming up as we're getting some new programs back online. Uh, we're starting uh, the new moon program and, and a new moon space station program. So um, NASA started calling me back. So I ended up uh, going back and now I'm working in the uh, spacesuit uh, area, um, integrating the spacesuits with the moon landers that are coming online. Wow. So yeah, that'll be fun. 
Well, that, well, that's more directions than I thought. Uh, where, do I, where do I narrow it down? Uh, let, let's start with a, a lot of grade levels for students um, in grades. The, one of the standards I have to talk about is the, uh, the uh, human's impact on the environment. Yeah. So, and I'm guessing the, the green building thing would fall directly under that. Right. And so what are some importances, um, if that's a word, um, what are some important attributes of, like you say, with a building for it to be green building? How's that work? Yeah, so um, we use, uh, the framework that I use is called LEED, and that's um, L-E-E-D, and that uh, is a kind of a checklist that analyzes buildings on seven different levels. So we talk about water efficiency, energy efficiency, how the materials are used and whether um, what kind of chemicals are used in those materials, uh, and then how you treat the site during construction, and then a couple other things. Um, so we really look at those different aspects uh, of a building and how the building is built, uh, all with the goal of, of um, having buildings and, and especially in my case, homes that are built uh, with a lower impact on the environment than uh, normal homes are. It's, so why is that an important? Um, you know, I think it was the um, one of the graphs in the in the um, documentary uh, Inconvenient Truth really spoke to me right about the time I was trying to figure out what am I going to do when you know the shuttle program's over. I'm going to have to go do something else. Um, I was watching Inconvenient Truth and it showed the graph of like where. Um, like energy use and the impact on climate change. Mm -hmm. And it had different sections on the graph of like, you know, different sections that we need to address in order to reduce that, uh, the impact. And one of those sections was the impact of buildings on the environment, energy use and water use. And I thought, well, I, you know, my dad was in the building industry and I, and I really have always been interested in, in the construction industry. And I thought, well, I might as well just pick that one. You know, I, I've, I want to pick something that's going to have an impact on the world, and and um, yeah. that seemed like yeah. a good one, so I picked that and did what I could, and I'm still doing what I can. Well, Caroline, next week I I think next week is Earth Week. Uh, yeah. The way, yeah, and I've seen on a lot of teacher threads um, just a lot of ideas. Of course, now with this online learning and everything, um, in what you've done, do you have any suggestions for teachers about activities kids could do to surround their homes to um, kind of recognize Earth Day? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, I, I just saw an email come by in my my list, like doing a virtual Earth Day. Um, but uh, so I can look, look at that email again and, and uh, give you some better ideas. But um, the things that come to mind off the top of my head are doing an energy audit of your home. Um, so those, there's a bunch of like energy audit uh, things that you can do on, on a website. And it's really um, educational. And, you know, you can actually um, get some little tools that help you understand the plug loads, how much your computers are all using energy-wise. Uh, kids oh, can like look a at kilowatt the Yeah, like, yep, a kilowatt. And um, you can see how much, you know, your computers are using and kind of compare your energy bills um, with this stay-at-home timeframe with uh, before and see if your energy has gone up. And then, you know, if you wanted to get really into it, you could figure out how much uh, an average like office building uses and are we using better, you know, less energy being at home versus an office. I think, you know, that's something that we've been talking about. Um, also the chair of the U.S. Green Building Council in Houston. And uh, we've been talking about like what 
what is the impact of uh, this whole pandemic uh, stay-at-home thing uh, on the environment? And there's been a lot of different levels of of uh, things that you can look at. So, um, you know, looking, I think that's a real accessible thing for kids, like doing an energy audit of their house and uh, seeing if they can get their parents involved as well. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that. What was it called a while back? I remember. Uh, maybe one or two remember is um, something about energy thieves or they were calling energy like vampires. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. When they yeah. left like things plugged in and stuff that shouldn't be, and it's, they're always. I mean, you don't need your, I don't know, TV powered up all the time. The little LED always on and stuff like that. Right. Anything yeah. with like a power brick that um, you know, like on your computer and stuff like that. That's drawing power even when you're um, not when it's not on, and so a real good idea is to have like a, a have all those things plugged into a power switch and then just turn it off at the switch when you're done when you're not using it and then turn that back on. I mean, you can do that with all your TV and all the, your devices that are plugged into your TV, the you know, DVD player and all that stuff, um, and just turn all that off so it's not, not sucking energy when you're not using it. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Mm -hmm. So now you've shifted into a spacesuit system or spacesuit. Is this right? Okay, spacesuit systems. <laughs> spacesuit systems engineering. Yeah. Uh huh. So, what are what does a typical day look like for you now? Uh, at the moment, it's a lot of meetings, uh, a lot of uh, virtual meetings, uh, and really a lot of the work that we do is um, coordination with a lot of different organizations. So we have our team of people that are working on spacesuits, and then we have our team of people that are working on the moon on the moon uh, landers. And my job okay. is to be kind of the go-between between them. So I need to learn as much about the spacesuit as I can, and then I need to learn as much about the vehicles as I can, and then um, make sure that the vehicles are going to do the right, have the right connections, uh, have the right amount of oxygen and water that we're going to need, things like that. So um, my typical day doesn't sound very exciting, but it's it's uh, a lot of meetings, a lot of coordination yeah. with, with people. I happen to love that. Um, I like integrating and I like, you know, hey, did you hear this thing? And, you know, it's kind of a lot of rumor yeah. mongering and, <laughs> you know, uh, educated rumor mongering. Wow. Um, but it, it's really fun to be able to, um, you know, especially right now when, you know, we're not in meetings together, I feel like I haven't lost anything. I, you know, we're all um, communicating a lot of people all at the same time. So that and a lot of uh, today I'm working on uh, updating a document. So um, we have a document that that details all the the details of the um, the new spacesuit, and a lot of things have changed in the last year. So we're updating that document. So actually, I'm doing a lot of writing, uh, which is unusual for an engineer, I think. Um, uh, but it's actually I I always liked writing in school. So um, and because it's unusual for an engineer, I happen to be um, one of the people that's kind of good at it so i get a lot yeah. of writing assignments um but i like that oh good so we're in the process of um development is is this spacesuit has it, um, is it actually, a prototype yet for it or is it yeah we um so we have the spacesuit that we use on the space station and that's a great spacesuit but it's about 40 years old and so um, we need a new one just because we need a new one and it's getting hard to manufacture those parts. Uh, so they've been working on an update. 
for a while, but now that we're going to the moon, uh, they announced back in, in March last year, so about a year ago that we're going to the moon. So we've changed from just updating the spacesuit to really having a spacesuit designed for the moon. Um, and so to be able to walk on the moon, you need to have uh, boots that <laughs> can work, like the space suit that we use up on space station, you don't need to walk, you're floating. And so we yeah. need to have good um, boots for walking. We need to have a lower torso that can um, bend bend over. We need to be able to kneel. We need to be able to scramble a little bit. Um, we need to have better gloves that are abrasion resistant because the uh, moon rocks are very sharp, actually. Um, and so there's a lot of updates. Also, the um, the suit that we use now on space station, you your work area is like right here. You can't do things like this. Uh, you can't put your arms over your head, and you can't um, really do a lot with your shoulders. So we've made new shoulders that uh, you can actually move up and down now and, and do all sorts of things. So it's a much more mobile suit, um, which makes it a little bit heavier. So we're having challenges with that. But um, So we've actually designed two prototypes. You might hear about the Z2 and the Z2.5. Uh, those are prototypes of the suit, but the new um, the new suit will you know incorporate lessons learned that we've um, learned from those two prototypes. And uh, we should have, we're going through a testing phase in the next year or two to um, develop the next suit. It's pretty far along in the process. Wow. That, that sounds like a lot of variables. Yes. <laughs> how, how many different people in different like careers have to come together in order to design something of this magnitude? Yeah, we have about uh, 250 people on our on our spacesuit team, um, and a lot of them are are designers doing a lot of like detailed engineering work. Um, you know, designing this one little part that's going to go into another part that's going to go on the suit. Uh, and then there's some people like me that are more like big picture integrator people that work on the interfaces between the vehicle and the suit. Um, and then we also have managers, and then there's also um, you know, we have always have accountants and people like that that are keeping track of the budget and things like that. So. And that's amazing. And when we talk about engineering design and we're talking to students about how it's always a team of people for yeah. backgrounds coming together. This is yeah. the this is an awesome example. Of the, Absolutely. Yeah. Because I mean, it's it's pretty important what you guys are doing there. If 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 one area of that messes up you have someone's life and of course billions of dollars <laughs> and the life is the most important but yes absolutely we are a little vehicle and and before i started um at this job i just had a little bit of like oh my gosh what if we screw it up what if we do it wrong you know and i was just so like wow that's like a lot of pressure um and then as i started i got to realize like we're doing so much testing we're doing so many um we have so many people involved in making sure that we're doing the right thing that I don't I don't feel as scared about the fact that we might mess up um, because we're testing it at every level a lot. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of people. And one of the things that has maybe not surprised me, but um, I've been reminded of is how important interpersonal things are. So we, we used to call these soft skills in the flight control room, but um, the ability to lead your leader, the ability to, to speak coherently and write coherently, um, the ability to work well with others. Like there are some people that are difficult to work with and they're an impediment to doing a good job 
you know, on the, on our project. And there's not very many of those people, but when you run into them, you're like, why are you being so difficult? You know, we all have to work together toward a common goal here, you know, and, and, um, and that's so important. So, so the, uh, you know, when I talk about flight control and stuff, I, I say that, um, you know, the, the technical smarts is what gets you in the door but your ability to be successful is really all about those soft skills and your ability to work well with others and your ability to communicate and um, really seek to understand what other people are saying. So that's, that's the key to success. I love that. I love that. It's people get tired of sometimes kids and well, and teachers and parents and everybody else gets <laughs> of the uh, group projects. I mean, it's like the bane of everyone's existence sometimes. And so, uh, but this, I mean, this shows how those group projects are teaching you how to interact so you can be successful in getting things done later. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's no alternative. If you can't work well on a team, you don't, you're not going to be on this team. Like, I mean, it's not optional. You're going to have to learn how to do that. Yeah. You mentioned the weight, the current design's a little heavier. Yeah. But I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. but you're on the moon. So uh, how is, how is that impacted on a much lower gravity place like the moon? On the moon, it's not a big deal, but we have to get there. And so it's actually because the uh, vehicles are um, not able to carry as much weight. I mean, it, it takes so much fuel to get to the moon, to the moon that um, we're really, really mass limited. So um, making sure that we're doing whatever we can to reduce our, our mass uh, is important, mostly for the launch of the, the suit and everything. Okay. What, what sorts of materials are used for a spacesuit? That's a good question. Um, right now we're looking at uh, different things like uh, aluminum or like a fiberglass. We really want to make it as light as we can, but it's a lot easier to make like a, a metal structure for the harder harder parts of the suit. Um, so we use, you know, titanium and, and lightweight metals. Um, one of the things that has been really interesting is, um, so if you're familiar with like uh, diving, it's really when you're, when you're doing anything that involves a pressure change, you have to reduce the amount of nitrogen in your, in your bloodstream or you get the bends. And so um, we have to really take into account our um, oxygen saturation of the astronauts in the suit. And so to do that, they want to fly these vehicles with a uh, lower normal pressure, like in normal air, it's 14.7 PSI. We want to fly the vehicles at a lower pressure with higher oxygen concentrations so that we um, have to spend less time. We don't have to spend as much time doing what we call pre-breathe. And so we wanna get all that nitrogen out of the, um, the system earlier. And so to do that, you increase the oxygen. Um, but when you increase the oxygen, the flammability of everything goes up. And so we're really concerned about the flammability of different materials. So we're doing a lot of materials testing right now on what kind of materials can withstand that higher oxygen concentration. Um, because the last thing we wanna do is have a fire in space or on the moon. Um, and so we're, we've got a project ongoing right now, testing all the different materials that we might use. Um, but the, the suit materials that we use right now, um, the outer materials are, it's like a, 
like a five to 10 layer sandwich of um, like a Teflon coating and a Mylar layer and some aluminum. You have a bunch of different layers that uh, help keep a good um, pressure. There's a pressure bladder that's like a plasticky, a flexible plastic kind of thing. And then there's the uh, outer layers that um, are what you see, the white material that you see on a spacesuit. So that's kind of a, a some proprietary blend of Teflon and nylon and something or other. Uh, but we're also trying to, we have a lot of requirements for what that material has to do. It's got to be non-flammable. It's got to resist moon dust because there's a big problem with moon dust. <laughs> it's going to be a mess. Um, and so we're we're trying to come up with the right kind of material for that. What kind of problem is moon dust? I thought that was just well, the living room. Yeah. So. Um, We've been watching a lot of Apollo videos, especially with all the 50th anniversary stuff. And and uh, you can just see if you look in those videos, like they kick and the moon dust gets everywhere and it gets on the suits and the suit uh, dust inside the seals of a, of a spacesuit will make it fail a leak check. So um, you won't be able to hold pressure if you get dust inside the, the seals of the, you know, the wrist bearings or mm -hmm. wherever. Um, also on the vehicle itself, if you get uh, dust on the seals wow. of the hatch will be able to hold pressure. Um, dust inside equipment, you know, sensitive electronic equipment is bad. Mm -hmm. Pretty much everything the dust touches, it's bad. <laughs> so, and it's this very fine, like electrostatic dust that just gets everywhere. So we've been listening to like the Apollo 17 mission, I think. Um, there's a really cool website that has, uh, you can track like the, the actual, you can listen to all the loops and the crew and everything from uh, several of the different Apollo missions. And uh, we've just been listening to those and they're like, man, this dust. I mean, they must mention dust like every couple minutes. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> like, this dust is nuts. So, yeah, it's a big problem, actually. Well, that's, that's wow. you don't think about when we think about the I, know. I I was surprised. One of the first meetings I went to was about, was a, this big kickoff of our dust mitigation <laughs> like, wow who knew that was a problem <laughs> all the things you find out yeah. yeah now one of the biggest things that for i say a big yeah. say for society are actually spinoffs from nasa yeah. so what down the road what kind of spinoffs do you think will come from a redesign of a spacesuit that might uh impact society in other ways that's a good question um I know mine are random sometimes. I'm sorry. No, that, that's, that's a great question. Um, so the things that come to mind are, uh, you know, especially a lot with this uh, COVID stuff, um, you know, we have pressurized breathing systems. So, you know, we have people that know how to make ventilators and things like that. Um, we could make, you know, pressurized sealed um, pressure suits for um, people, you know, whether they were sick or, you know, the caretakers. Um, I wouldn't want to be in an EMU or a spacesuit while you're doing that, but maybe, a, you know, some kind of spinoff of that. Um, there's a, one of the challenges that we have in the spacesuit is a carbon dioxide removal. And so we have some um, um, equipment that we've, I guess, invented to, um, maybe not invented, but perfected to reduce um, carbon dioxide uh, using amines. Mm -hmm. like that. So if there's ever a need for that, I know um, one of the things they're trying to uh, work on is like a heads-up display for the uh, for the suit. I know that the Navy has one that they're using for some of their 
Navy divers. And um, so like the inside of the helmet would have like your navigation, very Iron Man-y. Um, so kind of coming, uh, coming along. So um, yeah, the, there's a lot of uh, different things, even just, you know, trying to come up with the materials that we're going to need that are non-flammable, that resist dust. You know, I could see that a lot of applications um, just for construction workers, you know, like, you know, and firefighters and Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You mentioned EMU systems and why go, you said you, you are actually an ex EMU systems engineer. Well, are these, are these letters that mean something? What, what is it? <laughs> they are. <laughs> uh, at, at NASA, we love acronyms. So EMU means the extravehicular mobility unit. And um, specifically EMU means the spacesuit that we have on space station. The new spacesuit is called the XEMU or the Exploration EMU, um, oh. and so that's the new spacesuit. So there's EMU and there's XEMU. Those are different suits. There are other suits that exist in the world, like um, SpaceX is making a launch and entry suit that uh, isn't really for spacewalking, but it's for the astronauts when they launch and enter, but it'll also hold pressure. Uh, we have a launch and entry suit for the Orion vehicle that's called the Ox. Uh, system OCS, I think, or OCSS, I get those two. And then um, there's a couple other suits out there that, that exist. So will an astronaut have, how many suits does an astronaut have? That sounds right. like a bad joke getting ready to happen right now. <laughs> how many suits does an astronaut need? <laughs> well, that's that's a funny question. We're actually debating that right now. Right now, the plan is the, the um, crew will launch to um, either Gateway or to somewhere near the moon on Orion, which is a new vehicle that we're, we're building and almost done with. Um, they will have an aux suit during that. Uh, so it's designed to protect the astronaut during launch and entry. It's not really designed for spacewalking and things like that. Um, when we get up into space, there's our current plan, although it may change, is that they will uh, leave the, the aux uh, spacesuit in Orion and then they'll They'll leave Orion up in lunar orbit, and then they'll go into their moon vehicle, their lander vehicle, and in that vehicle, they'll just have the XEMU, so the, the moonwalking spacesuit. Um, because of those weight concerns we talked about, they can't really afford to take two suits, so they're going to try to do it all in the one uh, XEMU. That may change when we uh, get different uh, moon vendor designs. Uh, we're not sure what they're going to propose. They may propose using their own. All right, so Sarah's going to shake her hand in a second because I always tend to go science fiction eventually. And uh, okay. I'm thinking of the sci-fi movies that I've watched and all these different ones, and you said it, leave it in orbit. And so uh, I'm imagining, and tell me if, if this is any close to reality, you'll have a big spaceship that's circling the moon on its own or with a pilot, and then people yeah. get into like a small space shuttle thing and fly down? Yeah, that's exactly what we're going to do. Wow. <laughs> that was my mind. <laughs> so we're actually um, designing a new space station called Gateway, which is uh, going to be a lunar space station. So we have the International Space Station that goes around Earth, yeah. and then there will be the uh, Gateway Space Station that goes around the moon. And so um, the, everybody will gather at Gateway. This is one proposal. So the Orion will go to Gateway with the people, and there's not going to be at least at the beginning, not anybody living on Gateway all the time like we have on space station, as International Space Station. 
So they'll uh, go to Gateway, they'll kind of gather there. The moon vehicles will come to Gateway as well. Um, when everything's all ready, that's when the crew comes. And then the crew gets into the, the lander. And then from Gateway, they go down to the moon and then they come back up. Similar, I guess, to how they did the original Apollo missions where there was one capsule that you know mm -hmm. kept going around the moon and with one guy. We may have one, we may have two people that stay on Gateway or the Orion vehicle while their friends go to the moon. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. So, and then uh, the idea is that Gateway becomes a launching point for Mars missions. Oh. Neat. Whoa. <laughs> 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 Sorry, that just blows my mind. Uh, that was awesome. <laughs> why are we going to the moon again? What are we hoping to find out? Um, I know you, you're focusing think, on the, the spacesuit, but... I, yeah, why? <laughs> um, I think the real answer is because we haven't been back and we really, humans are a, a space, or a, they're an uh, exploration kind of being, right? So we explore, that's what humans do. And that's where we need to go next. Um, one of the other reasons is because there are, uh, we'd like to go to Mars for that same reason, because we like to explore. And before we go to Mars, before we add on the complication of not being able to talk to our people uh, very quickly, um, we want to figure out some basics like how to live on another body, like how to live on a surface, um, how to deal with a little bit of delayed communications. Uh, right now, it's pretty easy to get stuff up to the space station and back, but it's a lot harder to get it to the moon. So we're one step further away um, and, you know, being better at... Uh, you know, not relying on the earth to bring us stuff all the time. So a little more sustained um, separation. So there's a lot of things that we can practice by going to the moon that uh, we need to be able to go to the, to Mars. And uh, that's that's our, our stated goal. And then there's also things like mining on the moon. Like there's, um, there are there are resources on the moon that people are interested in. I don't know that I want to promote that as our reason for yeah. <laughs> that is behind a lot of it. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, exploring new resources is always an agenda somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> that's just kind of the way that works. Yeah. And that's how we get new technology. So I understand. Yeah. But so it's like yep. a stepping stone. This is so cool. It's like a stepping stone to the galaxy. It is. Yeah. That's our first, and this is our first step. You know, we have to be able, we have to start sometime and somewhere. So why not now? You know, and and uh, it point. really takes a little political will to do it. And um, I guess we have that at the moment. We're gonna go. <laughs> well, I'll be curious to see what kind of spinoffs come off, and uh, I'll be excited to to get a look at this new spacesuit when it's done. Oh well, thanks. And uh, this yeah. this will be a. Uh, we have uh, there on campus. We always have viewing parties and stuff. I, anytime there's a launch, there's there's a, oh, cool. one, if not multiple, uh, large yeah. viewing parties. And so, yeah, actually, when I was at Purdue, I was the president, I guess, of the students for the exploration and development of space, and oh, okay. uh, I loved it. It was uh, it was a great group. So, uh, yeah, that was a cool group to to hang out with. Yeah, always encourage students when they get to the university to find clubs. Find some kind something because there's something for everyone, whatever they're interested in. Absolutely. People and connect with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we appreciate it. Sarah, did I cut you off on anything? 
Nope. No. Thank you, Caroline. This is yeah, awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. Say so we appreciate you taking time. Uh, we know you you have a lot going on. And you're busy. We appreciate you taking time for this interview, so we could get this out there. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. An outstanding on review. iTunes or your preferred podcast player. Tweet us your science questions. At Purdue SOS. Until next time, be super. And remember, you are someone's hero. Boiler up. Hammer down.